Oh, I got a new chair, by the way. I can see. <laughs> yes, and it's lovely and more comfortable. And the what? little rails, the side, the rails. <laughs> what are they called? Armrests. Armrests. Armrests go up so that I could sit crisscross if I want to. Choo choo. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten. And we are Mediocre Content. And I've got snow in the air. <laughs> She's so lucky. Just so you guys know, she has a beautiful winter wonderland outside. I do. I, do. I am, I am still in the season of fall that it is currently year round in Forever. Northern California. Just so you guys know. That's there nice, no too, snow. though. It's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. I, but I did take down all my Christmas decorations nice. yesterday. And so now my house feels empty and sad and oh. I don't know. <laughs> not nice. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's just like not having the tree in the living room makes it less cozy. And I'm like, Fair. do I need to get another chair or something? Like what, Ooh. what is happening here? Yeah. Because you should just replace it with something. Yeah. I don't but know. Still feels I saw, I saw a video. <laughs> Yeah. This is no hate to Joanna Gaines because I love her. Oh my her. god. <laughs> but like I I saw a video of her being like, "So do you feel bad that your Christmas tree is like out of your living room now? Just take a branch from outside and put it in the face <laughs> and then staple it to your wall." There you go. Girl, she got thoughts, okay? And I'm like, "I will not be doing that." But thank you so much. For thoughts that and tip, solutions. That hot tip. Oh my god. Bro, a real hot tip though. Go to freaking TJ Maxx and get one of those fake trees in like That's the true. cute baskets and put lights on it so that you yeah. can be cozy at night. Mhm. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good idea. You know what though? If if my cats didn't eat random stuff, I would do that. Right. So then right. So then you have to factor in the cats and then you're like, do I really want to take this chance? They did not demolish the Christmas tree for the the third year in a row. So we're doing great. We're on a good streak. Significantly better than my track record. So we'll take it. I really thought when we went away for a week and came back, it was (laughs) gonna be like it was gonna be on the ground. And I even prepped the cat sitter. I was like, "Look, if you if you walk in and the and the tree is on the ground, just leave it. We'll we'll pick it it up. It's fine. (laughs) I don't think they're gonna do anything, but if they do, just leave it. It's cool." (laughs) And she's like, "Okay, that seems totally normal and fine." (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a cat house. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, yeah. but they didn't do anything. So we're, we're doing good. Everything's good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely, honestly, I'm glad that the holidays are over, but also the travel's not over because we didn't travel for the holidays. So now we're going to mm. travel after the holidays. Super fun. Well, Which at least like, at least nobody else will be traveling, you know? So it's yeah, not going to be, yeah. It, it shouldn't be as much of a headache as it is during the holiday season. No, that's fair. Especially, you know, right after the holiday. Hopefully right. everybody's still like chilling yeah. out at home. Also, I've heard that like buying plane tickets at the end of January is like the best time of the year to do it because mm. nobody is traveling. That's so smart. That time. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I mean, because they're doing all first of year stuff at work and probably all that. Stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like. You know, there's no, there's no major holiday. I mean, Valentine's Day, but like who travels for that? No one. It, well, and like Michael, my, uh, Martin Luther King Day is in January, but that's just like the first. Yeah. It's like the first couple of, it's the 15th, I think, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, jeez. Holidays so. after the holidays. Yeah, the ones that I feel like are just there to there. give us an extra day off of work, which, which is, is nice. Honestly, nice. It is yeah. nice. Unless you're in the healthcare field, in which case, I'm sorry, but these don't count as real holidays. They you. do not. <laughs> Apologize for that. Uh, well, we've got some great stuff going on. It's not snow related. It is water related, though, which, you know, snow is just frozen water anyway. So Similar, but different. Similar, but different. Um, so let's disclaim. Let's go. All right. So before we get started, obviously, we're not experts on anything. For this particular topic, I feel like some of it I would be an expert on because I lived it. Um, <laughs> but other than that, if yeah. you have you've come to the podcast to get any kind of advice, don't do that. Um, and we are not the place to get any advice at all ever. Yeah. Um <clears throat> but we want you to learn new things. If you've never tried swimming before, please do it. And I'll tell you how to do it safely here in a few minutes. And um, yeah, just, you know, do your own research, all that stuff. You know the drill. Mm-hmm. And with that, Kirsten, please take us into the good news for the week. Okay. So we're, I, I went back to space with this one because I saw it and I was like, immediately, yes. Cool. So if you don't know, um, there are, first of all, new pictures of Jupiter's volcanic moon, which is so exciting. Um, Incredible pictures show that Jupiter's volcanic moon, Io, which we have talked about in our Jupiter episode, uh, is now revealed to us in stunning details due to the closest flyby we've had to it in 20 years. Which, I mean, I would also like to preface, when it comes to space, nothing is fast, okay? No. It doesn't happen that way. (laughs) So 20 years is actually pretty good. Um, NASA's Juno space probe came within roughly 930 miles or 1,500 kilometers from the surface of the most volcanic world in our solar system, Io, on December 30th. The space agency explained this pass and others at the start of February are expected to allow Juno instruments to generate a fire hose of data. That's a quote from them. The orbiter has performed 56 flybys of Jupiter and documented close encounters with three of the gas giant's four largest moons, Io, Ganymede, and Europa. Um, By combining data from this flyby with our previous observations, says Juno's principal investigator, Scott Bolton, the Juno science team is studying how Io's volcanoes vary. Uh, We are looking for how often they erupt, how bright and hot they are, how the shape of the lava flow changes, and how Io's activity is connected to the flow of charged particles in Jupiter's magnetosphere, which is what freaks Blair out. (laughs) It is. Yeah. (laughs) I, I sent you a video on Instagram. Um, yes. of the mercury and how it cannot be absorbed with a like liquid mercury cannot be absorbed with a um, paper towel. And yeah. that stresses me out a lot. So <laughs> I sent it to you and yeah. I was like, this is terrifying. Stress. I hate this. Anyway, Full go ahead. stress mode. <laughs> yeah. Um, the probes Jovian infrared auroral mapper or J I R A M Uh, which takes images in infrared, collected the heat signatures emitted by the 400 active volcanoes and additional extinct calderas covering the moon's surface. That is so many volcanoes. (laughs) That's a lot, yeah. 
Uh, Io's volcanism is responsible for many of its unique features, of course. Its volcanic plumes and lava flows produce large surface changes and paint the surface in various subtle shades of yellow, red, white, black, and green, and this is also largely due to allotropes and compounds of sulfur, of course, just the chemicals that it's mixed in with. Um, and another quote for them states, with our pair of close flybys in December and February, Juno will investigate the source of Io's massive volcanic activity, whether a magma ocean exists under its crust, and the importance of tidal forces from Jupiter, which are relentlessly squeezing this tortured moon. Poor guy. Uh, per other studies published on Io, the relentless, quote, squeezing comes from a mixture of forces, some known, others not, uh, but it is known that the interior is subject to massive friction from the gravitational pull of Jupiter and other Gal Galilean moons of Europa, Callisto, and Ganymede. So there's a lot going on. And also for yeah. context, I mean, Jupiter's just huge. So that's also partially the reason its magnetosphere is so aggressive. So super cool. We're getting new photos. I highly recommend you look them up. They're very cool. Yeah. Um, and don't think too much about the volcanoes and the magnetizing stuff. Just enjoy the photos. <laughs> don't yeah. have an existential crisis. I saw some photos because of you. Now my algorithm thinks that I like space. <laughs> and who doesn't? <laughs> I saw some photos. Like, so I guess we thought that Neptune was like very mm -hmm. dark blue yeah and uranus was like light blue but it turns out they're basically the same color basically so yeah. that's fun both still gorgeous yeah <laughs> truly yeah that's i just saw that today mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. very cool um for the next bit of good news we're going to stay in space because japan is set to be the fifth country to land on our moon which is super stinking cool oh, nice good yeah, for them i know uh, mere months after India established itself as the fourth lunar power, which is what they're called, I want to be called a lunar power, I'm not going to lie, um, Japan is set to land on our nearest celestial body this month. I mean, technically, as women, we are lunar powers because our cycles <laughs> sync up with the moon. So I'm just putting that out there for every woman who has ever felt not, not powerful. You are powerful. Okay. We are werewolves. We are werewolves. That's <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway. Exactly. Um, JAXA, or the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, has accomplished a number of hugely impressive spacefaring feats over the last three decades, including a sample return mission from the Riguyu asteroid, which has never been done before, even by the United States. So pretty substantial stuff. Um, now, with their smart lander for investigating the moon, or their SLIM is what they've called it, entering lunar orbit on Christmas Day, JAXA is poised for a January 19th descent onto the lunar su surface, so just a couple weeks from now. Wow. So cool. Uh, JAXA officials say that a mission for researching the pinpoint landing technology necessary for future lunar probes and verifying this on the surface of the moon with a small scale probe is what SLIM is designed to do. And they hope that this will um, enable them to land on a select point with an accuracy of about 300 feet and the spacecraft, uh, spacecraft left Earth on September 8th, along with the XRISM, which is a powerful X-ray telescope that remained in Earth's orbit. 
Um, they quoted, they're quoted saying, by creating the slim lander, humans will make a qualitative shift towards being able to land where we want and not just where it is easy to land as had been the cases before. And this is important if you don't know, because right now, if you're just throwing things into the world, uh, they're pretty much going to land in the same spot in terms of ease, but there are definitely places even outside of the moon where we haven't landed before. We don't know what's there, we don't really know what to expect, what kind of formations or chemicals or natural events that are happening, and so being able to do this precisely is really important for further exploration and also answering a lot of questions that were left from just landing where we're able to at the moment. Um, if they succeed, of course, like I mentioned in the beginning, they will become the fifth nation to do this, uh, to land on the moon. And this is behind China, India, the Soviet Union, when it was still the Soviet Union, and the United States, um, who have already done so. So super, super I did not cool. know that India yeah. landed on the moon. That's, yeah. so good for them. That's so great for them. I love yeah, that. Yeah, really progressive space force. I guess over there in India as well. So it's super cool. Yikes. I know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know. I know. But anyway, that's the good news, man. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so today, obviously, we're going to talk about swimming. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background on my knowledge of this. And the fact that I haven't, this was such a big part of my life. And the fact that I haven't done a podcast on this yet is like kind of weird. I don't know. My brain just like didn't think to do it. It's <laughs> fair. Um, but I have, I swam competitively from sixth grade until my junior year of college. It's a long time. And yes, it was a very long time. Um, I was always a sports girly growing up. So I did, you know, softball swimming cross country like the whole thing year round like it was it was my life and I loved it so much swimming I think was my favorite sport that I've ever done um mostly because I liked it because it was individual but also you had like the team mm -hmm. um and so it has like this duality to it which we'll talk about where you do relay races as a group but then you can also do individual races similar to like track if you've ever done track mm -hmm. um so I liked I liked that yeah. um and it's just I always loved like being in the water like even as a kid I grew up and we would go to the ocean every summer and it was just like super fun my mom got us swimming lessons from when we were a little kid like from when we were barely able to walk all the way <laughs> until you know I started swimming in sixth grade so water has always been my friend. I know that's not true <laughs> for everyone, but for me, that is true. So with that, um, oh, and in college, in case you care in college, <laughs> I swam for a D three school, not a D one school. I know some people care about that. I don't care about that, but that's swam. Just, I swam and I swam at the collegiate level. So anyway, Woo. <laughs> uh, so the history of swimming, uh, we'll start there. Archaeological and other evidence shows swimming to have been practiced as early as 2500 BCE in Egypt. And Egypt, honestly, is not the first country yeah. I would expect for swimming, but good for them. Yeah. Um, and thereafter, in Assyrian, Greek, and Roman civilizations, swimming was also a prominent activity. In Greece and Rome, swimming was part of training and was 
as was the alphabet, also part of elementary education for males. So at the hmm. time in those cultures, mm-hmm. males were the only ones doing this. Right. right obviously. Right, right. Um, in the Orient, swimming dates back to at least the first century BCE, there being some evidence of swimming races then in Japan. Wow. By the 17th century, an imperial ed- edict had made the teaching of swimming compulsory in the schools, which is good. I mean, Japan is an island. Ultimately, yeah, so, so there's sense. a lot of water, <laughs> so it makes sense. Minor situation. <laughs> um, organized swimming events were held in the 19th century before Japan was opened to the Western world. Among the preliterate maritime peoples of the Pacific, swimming was evidently learned by children about the time that they walked, or even before. Among the ancient Greeks, there is a note of occasional races and a famous boxer swam as part of his training. Hmm. The Romans built swimming pools, which are different from their Roman baths that you Mm -hmm. hear about all the time. Um, And in the first century BCE, the Roman Gaius Messinus has said to have built the first heated swimming pool. Nice. Very, very fun. Very cool. Hot tub? (laughs) medieval hot tub similar similar (laughs) but different um so all of this is going well for swimming but the lack (laughs) of swimming in the europe in europe during the middle ages is explained by some authorities as having been caused by a fear that swimming spread infection and caused epidemics and i would just like to mention that their Mm. water was disgusting at this point That's probably why. (laughs) Insert the plague. (laughs) Insert the plague. Insert the disgusting, like, Seine River in France. And the Seine and the Thames were awful. Right. Yeah. Excuse me for saying Seine. Oh, no, it's Um, fine. It's disgusting either way. Yeah. (laughs) It was absolutely horrid. So uh, just putting that out there, uh, (laughs) there is some evidence of swimming at the seashore resorts of Great Britain. However, did the the popularity of swimming as both recreation and sport began in earnest in the 19th century. Nice. When the first swimming organization was formed in 1837, London had six indoor pools with diving boards. So that's pretty good. Yeah. The first swimming championship was a 440 yard or a 400 meter race held in Australia in 1846 and annually thereafter. The Metropolitan Swimming Clubs of London, founded in 1869, ultimately became the Amateur Swimming Association, the governing body of British amateur swimming. National Swimming Federations were formed in several European countries from 1882 to 1889, and the United States Swimming was first nationally organized as a sport by the Amateur Athletic Union, AAU, on its founding in 1888. The Federation Internationale de Natation. Uh, help me out here. The, Feder- uh, the Federation Internationale de Nat- Nat- Natation. Natation. Amateur. Amateur. Fina. Fina basically, <laughs> founded in 1909. So nice. that's kind of the origins of swimming. Okay. Um, and this is recreational recreational so it's not exactly. like people like just <laughs> trying to get one place to the other they have to cross a river so they swim across it that's not the same as what not she's talking same. about <laughs> yeah so this is like fun yeah. like fun pool swimming um obviously there's 
some mention of competitive swimming starting to happen. So now yeah. we're going to get into like the history of competitive swimming, cool, which cool, is cool. fun. So <laughs> swimming has been part of the Olympic schedule since the very first modern Olympic games in 1896. Okay. It's a long time. So yeah, right around the same time that the international clubs started popping up. Then the, they became the Olympic games uh, event. So in one of the only, it's one of the only four disciplines that have been retained appearing in every summer Olympics since 1896, the others being um, artistic gymnastics hmm. and fencing. Nice. So um, the birth of Olympic swimming in the early years, Olympic swimming events were male only, which I think was a lot of Olympic events, not just swimming. Yeah. I mean, and also to be fair, like what, what, like women were also expected to be more conservative with their body as well. Correct. So like putting a bathing suit on, maybe not as conservative. Right. Right. Um, so women's events were introduced at the 1912 games in Stockholm. And although women initially only competed in two events, the 100 meter freestyle and the uh, four by 100 freestyle relay. Wow. Good for them. So, yeah. Experimental beginnings brought some rather unique events to those games. At the inaugural Modern Olympics in Athens, swimming events included the 100 meter freestyle for sailors, which only members of the Greek Navy could compete in. (laughs) Very specific. (laughs) Yeah. Um, until the London 1908 games, Olympic swimming events took place in open water, which is terrifying. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I know. Um, this left the swimmers at the mercy of the elements, contending with weather and waves. Thalassophobia. <laughs> after being exposed to temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, which is cold. <gasps> so cold. The Mediterranean in the Mediterranean, a modern Olympic pool, just for reference, is about 25 to 28 degrees Celsius. So Ooh. still pretty chilly, but like not that chilly. Good Lord. Um, during the 1200 meter freestyle race in which he won gold, Alfred ha- Hajos? Hajos said Hajos probably mm-hmm. said, uh, my will to live completely overcame my desire to win. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Illustrating the precarious nature of early swimming events. I'm sure they started that race. They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to win. And they get in there and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Right I'm going to die if I don't win. I need to go. <laughs> the options were limitless. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, a great motivator for an athlete. Let me tell you. Good grief. Um, the post-World War II era brought better technology, facilities, and improved training techniques, resulting in significantly quicker times compared to early wave fighting competitions. So originally, female and male swimmers wore bodysuits, which increased resistance and slowed them down. As the sport progressed, swimwear became more hydrodynamic. Suits began to be made from materials such as lycra, uh, which reduced drag um, and as a result, reduce lap times. So if you've ever been in a, a regular bathing suit is fine. So mm-hmm. like a regular one piece mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, or if you ever tried to swim laps in a bikini or like some kind of <laughs> like, or like the regular swimming trucks for yeah. men, you know, yeah. that it's like kind of awkward because things drag. start moving and there's some <laughs> drag and it's just like not comfortable. So then 
he would like be you would probably want like a one piece or for men like the jammers or like the tight mm-hmm, shorts mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and then if you want to level up from that level up <laughs> um then you can get a te- what's called a tech suit and so for men it depends you can still get the shorts in like mm-hmm. a tech suit mm-hmm. type fabric but a lot of like really professional swimmers will do like the um what is the word i'm looking for speedo yeah like speedo yeah. ones yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah because there's less fabric um, too so right less and places then, for it to drag or you or they'll do like the big one piece one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. men and women will do the big tech suit one piece where it kind of looks like a singlet for wrestling but it's yeah. like the fabric is way lighter and more hydrodynamic mm-hmm. and it's like super tight to your body so yeah. you get like it, the water just like glides off of it so it's almost yeah. like putting on like a, a second like waterproof skin almost <sighs> like a warm hug it's it, <laughs> and the other the joke is if it if it takes you more than like 10 minutes to put on your tech suit you're doing it right <laughs> <laughs> i can't get in or out of this thing <laughs> right you need like a buddy to help you <laughs> a battle buddy <laughs> just to say that swim teams get very close because <laughs> there's a lot of nudity happening you also can't in like get in the or most out. appropriate way <laughs> yes exactly you help me get in this thing <laughs> right no exactly so anyway um competitive pools also saw a great change during this period which led to the move from outdoor to indoor tournaments thank god mm-hmm. the introduction of drainage in <laughs> olympic swimming pools marked lanes in 1924 and guidelines for pool depths all contributed to better overall standard of competition in the years that followed probably so, safety also right, right. and if you <laughs> So for those who don't, aren't aware, there's two different like lengths for pools. There's like the Olympic size length, which is 50 meters straight across. Um, and then there's like regular competition swimming pools. So if you've been in like your local swimming pool, it's probably like 25 meters. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the full 50 meter long. It's a lot of space. Um, yeah, it's a lot. And it's uh, very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, this exciting era of development paved the way for superstar swimmers. The first of which was the USA's Mark Spitz. Um, this was the guy before Michael Phelps, the Michael (laughs) Phelps before Michael Phelps. Predecessor. (laughs) Um, and I've actually visited the international swimming hall of fame. It's in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, just so any, if you guys care to visit. That's cool. um, and they have like a whole exhibit on Mark Spitz and like how oh, cool he is. Yeah. And he was like an innovative swimmer for his time, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Um, so he won seven gold medals at the Munich games in 1972. And he became wow. a household name on the back of his astonishing achievements. Yeah. Brilliant solo performances continued at Seoul in eight, 1988 when East Germany's Kirsten Otto became the first woman to bag six gold medals in a single game. Wow setting the new standard for aspiring Olympic swimmers. These accomplishments have become bettered only by one man. You all know his name, <laughs> Michael Phelps, uh. <laughs> vowing to break his countryman Spitz's record. He eclipsed it by one in Beijing in 2008. 
Phelps claimed a grand total of eight golds, 36 years after Spitz's era-defining performances in Munich, and later became the most decorated Olympian of all time with a total of 28 medals over four games. Now, I would just like to say that I think Simone Biles has eclipsed Mm -hmm. him. Um, Let me actually look that up really quick. I want to make sure. Do they segment it by type, though? Like, I mean, obviously, she would still be the most well, decorated in general. But like here, they're saying swimming? most decorated Olympian of all time. Of all so time. I just want to make, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely up there. If if not, which is incredible. I mean, I don't. I think a lot of people. I've heard somebody say this when it comes to the Olympics. There's people that are like, oh my gosh, uh, they they almost got gold, or oh my gosh, they got silver, oh they got second. Uh, no, we are talking about the Olympic levels. We should be saying, oh my god, they are second in the world for this event. Okay. You know? So correction, she is not the most decorated Olympian. She is the most decorated gymnast. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so, that, yeah. I believe that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, they didn't just get second if they're in the Olympics, okay, right. people? They right, are right, right. Olympians. You're so right. <laughs> and you have to get the tattoo. You do- <laughs> It's just like rules. when you do an Iron Man, you have to do- you have to get the tattoo. <laughs> rules. <laughs> um as shout out Jake for Iron Man. Um <laughs> as time has progressed, more events and swimming techniques have been added to the Olympic swimming program. In the 1956 Melbourne Games, the butterfly stroke made its debut. Um, In 1968 in Mexico City, there was an almighty leap, the biggest jump in in the new events between games when the number of swimming events grew from 14 for women and 10 to 15 for men. Wow. Yes. From 8 to 14 for women, sorry. And then 10 to 15 for men. There we go. Does okay. the um sorry, do, does swimming and diving are they different categories? Yes. Okay, just curious. Yeah, the uh usually the teams get lumped together in mm-hmm. term not at the Olympic level, but like in terms of like high school and college level, usually the swimming and diving people like are in the same okay. like obviously they share the pool, right? Right, right. Um but they're kind of lumped together in terms of like the events that they go to, mm-hmm. but um, they're two separate. Okay. Teams. Okay. They, like the swimmers don't do diving. Don't dive. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, at the high school level, you probably could just because I mean, you're sure. already there. But like, like Olympic wise. Right. They're different. Right. Olympic wise. It's totally different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, in Tokyo 2020, for the first time, men's and women's events were identical in number distance and discipline Hmm. tokyo 2020 included the mixed four by a hundred medley relay in this new gender mixed race both men and women competed together in the same teams so this is something that we do um at like the high school level where Mm. you pick the best like Are we hearing weird noises over there? There's like a car. I would also like to say it is like oh, blizzarding. I hear it. It is blizzarding outside. Why is this man just riding his bike in the snow? <laughs> it sounds Terrible. like a freaking four wheeler. Anyway, <laughs> idiot. Um, sorry if you can hear that, guys. I tried to turn it off. 
<laughs> so anyway, the medley relay is men and women. You and it's backstroke, breaststroke, butterfly, and freestyle. So you're representing mm-hmm. all four strokes, and then you the coach would like pick um the best men and women to like swim these strokes mm-hmm. for the team, right? Okay. So um, and you can have at least like one woman or one man to like mm-hmm. qualify for the like mixed gender mm-hmm. portion mm-hmm. of this. Okay. I'm sure that like people could deduce that on their own, but like, I just felt like, you know, <laughs> mansplaining enough. it to everyone. <laughs> um, okay. So instruction and training, the earliest instruction programs were in great Britain in the 19th century, both for sport and for life-saving. Those programs were copied by the rest of Europe in the United States. Swimming instruction for life-saving purposes began under the um, American Red Cross in 1916. Um, Instructional work was also done by various branches of the armed forces during both World War I and World War II and was very effective in promoting swimming. Courses taught by community organizations and schools extending ultimately to very young infants became common. So your local like YMCA or community Mm -hmm. center, these are the places that you can get swimming lessons. You can also, fun fact, if you're an adult and you don't know how to swim, a lot of these places have adult swimming lessons. Hmm. Um, And no shame. I taught adult swimming lessons for a little bit at the Y and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. and it's good to know for safety purposes, like if you have little kids and you don't know how to mm. swim, like you're not going to be able to go in and get them. And there's not always a lifeguard paying attention. Yeah. Right. Trust right. me. I was a lifeguard. I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's usually some teenage kid who's getting paid $10 an hour to like sit there It's true. and pretend like they're looking at people, you know, <laughs> outs herself. <sighs> so good times. anyway, I mean, I was a very good lifeguard. I don't know. I'm sure you, know you were. Um, <laughs> But it also made me more money than working at McDonald's or like a fast food place or as a server. So and you get are. to work on your tan. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> there was one summer where I was like so tan. It was awesome. I've never been more tan awesome. in my life. Um, okay. So we're gonna probably let's see. I think we'll take a little break and then we'll okay. get we'll get back into the rest of this afterwards because I just don't want to keep you guys for too long and then so we're going to give you a break and then when we come back we'll talk about more swimming stuff Woohoo! do you hate a quiet house are you tired of listening to the office in the background while doing the dishes then you need mediocre content listen to us giggle and rant about meaningless topics in the comfort of your own home put us on in the background while cleaning your house cooking or even vacuuming We promise you won't miss anything important. And you can always listen again. Choose mediocre content for your background noise. Welcome back to your local swim podcast. (laughs) Um, All right. So we're exiting out of the Olympic time frame here. And we're just going to talk about some like basic swimming facts okay Mm -hmm. so the early practice of simply swimming as much as possible at every workout was replaced by interval training 
and repeat training by the late 1950s. So I guess early swim teams were just like, we're just going to swim as much as we can for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and nice. they realized this is not working yeah. very well. And we're going to come up with like sets and I could get into what all that is, but that would bore you to tears. <laughs> um, when you get to swim team, if you decide that, that is something that you want to do, because there's swimming for swim teams for adults too, yeah. believe it or not. Nice. Um, then you'll figure that out when you get there. I'm not going to bore you with that. Um, Jinx. <laughs> if y'all can hear the bumping against the microphone, that is my cat who feels like this is his podcast and he every needs time. to make an appearance every time. <laughs> Proceeds anyway. to make himself known. <laughs> he doesn't meow. He just bumps up against the microphone that's and gets fur in my mouth. Ooh, so that's nice. Equally as nice. Hairball. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> anyway. All right. So there's four major strokes in swimming. There is the backstroke. There is breaststroke. And if you don't know what breaststroke is, if you've ever like put a frog in a body of water and Mm -hmm. watched it swim, that is what breaststroke is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Butterfly, which is what Michael Phelps does. So if you've ever seen any video of him ever, it's that. (laughs) He's doing it. Um. And freestyle, which is like your basic like dance competition time. (laughs) No, no. You're just beatboxing the whole time. You're just like (laughs) flailing, trying to figure out how to go forward. You've forgotten how to swim, and (laughs) um. So there are many different kinds of races that you can do. Um, the at the Olympic level they narrowed it down to like, I think 15 or something like that, Mm -hmm. but it really depends on the league in which you're swimming and, um, what you like, what the coaches agree on before. Cause there's like different formats for different swim meets and stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, so there's a variety of different things. The ones that are like pretty much recognized universally, um, are freestyle races, which are in distances of 50, 100, 200, 400, 800, and 1500. And that's in meters for those of us who don't know. Um, <laughs> and also the fact they, they do it in meters is very nice. Not every pool, believe it or not, is in meters, which makes oh, things a little no. bit more complicated <laughs> what the because we're in America. There. And instead of using meters, we used yards. Mm-hmm. So 25 yards. So all of these mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. distances get a little bit different just based on what pool you're in. And again, I will bore you with that information. So just, <laughs> you know, look it up on your own. That's it's right. be fine. <laughs> um, backstroke, breaststroke, butterfly races are um, in 100 meters and 200 meters. Individual medley relays, relay races at or individual medley races. So I am, um, races are 200 and 400 and sometimes 100. If you're doing like a fun little kid summer swimming (laughs) league, um, and freestyle relays are four by 100. So everybody does a hundred meters or four by 200 and everyone does 200 meters or the medley, which is four by 100 where everyone Mm -hmm. does a hundred meters in their specific assigned stroke. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Total Are you sense. with me? I'm here. Okay. You're here. You're <laughs> Not drowning me. yet. 
<laughs> okay, good. Um, so yeah, that's that's and I I swam the mile, which is the 1650. Okay. Um, and I swam the 500 freestyle. So nice. I was a distance swimmer. So I swam the mile, the 500 freestyle and, um, the 200 butterfly, because my coach was like, you have big shoulders. This looks good for you. <laughs> nice shoulders. And you I was this. like, great. Sounds good. So you have great shoulders. Thank you so much. This is what um, they warned us about in high school. You know, this is what they warned <laughs> us about. You're so right. Um, so in this particular article, distance swimming is defined as longer than 1500 meters. Um, and they're talking about like distance swimming in the wild. So like the across, wild. The, across the English channel <laughs> okay. or something, okay. um, distance swimming from like a competitive mm, swimmers, uh, angle is more of like more than 200 meters. Okay. Okay. All right. In the wild. <laughs> so, um, most long distance races again in the wild mm-hmm. are in the 24 to 59 kilometers or 15 to 70 or 15 to 37 mile range. Jeez. Though some such as the Lake George marathon, um, and the Lake Michigan endurance swim, both in the United States have been longer and those would be 41.5 miles or 67 kilometers or 80 kilometers and 50 miles respectively. Uh, FINA governs the distance swimming for five kilometers, 10 kilometers and 25 kilometers. Um, Longer than that, somebody else does it, I guess. Mm. In 1954, a group of amateur and professional marathon swimmers formed the Federation Internationale de Natation Longue Distance. <laughs> I think it was French people who did this. Um, ah. And in 1963, after the dis- dissension between amateur and professional swimmers, the World Professional Marathon Swimming Federation was founded throughout the 1960s. The latter group sanctioned about eight professional marathons annually, and the countries most frequently involved being Canada, Egypt, Italy, Argentina, and the United States. The British Long Distance Swimming Association has sponsored races on inland waters, um, ranging to from 10 to 22 miles. Okay, so this is like, oh my gosh. He is so into it. He literally is like typing words on my computer <laughs> and pushing random buttons. And I'm like, sir, you cannot be doing this. All right. <laughs> the first type of distance swimming to be regulated by FINA was the English channel swimming, which captured the popular imagination. And for those who don't know, the English channel is the body of water between France and England. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was freaking out in the 19th century because they wanted to swim the English channel. Apparently who doesn't, um, I definitely don't, uh, (laughs) captain Matthew Webb of great Britain was the first to make the crossing from Dover, England to, uh, Calais, France in 1875. His time was 21 hours and 45 minutes. That is entirely too long. (laughs) Um, the map distance was 17 
nautical miles or 33 kilometers. But the actual distance of the channel swim is frequently lengthened because mm-hmm. the tides and the winds are so crazy. Mm-hmm. So no one ma- matched Webb's feet until 1911 when a non- another Englishman, T.W. Burgess, made the crossing. Um, in 1926, the American swimmer Gertrude Erdl. Erdl? Edrill? Edrill? I don't know. That's a hard one. Sorry, Gertrude. Um, became <laughs> the first woman to swim the English Channel, crossing from uh, Cap Grisness, France, to Dover in a world record setting time for man or woman of 14 hours and 31 minutes. Go, Gertrude. Sheesh. She's the best. She we is love her. a goat. Yeah. Uh, since then, except for the World War II years, crossing swims have been made annually. Several swimmers have made 10 or more crossings. That's too much. The Channel Swimming, I know, the Channel (laughs) Swimming Association was formed in 1927 to control swims and verify times. By the 1978, the record had been lowered to seven hours and 40 minutes by (gasps) Penny Dean of the United States. And by the 1990s, successful crossings have been made by swimmers as young as 12 years (gasps) old and as old as 65. Also so it's never much. too late to achieve your dreams <laughs> or too early. <laughs> um, various swimmers had crossed both ways with only brief rests between the swims. Open water distance swimming events of 10 kilometers for men or women were added to the Olympic program in 2008. That's a hard pass for me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a no for me, dog. I hardly do it in the pool. What makes you think right. I'm going to do it in the English channel? <laughs> well, and my thing, that's the thing. Like when I'm swimming in a pool, all I have to think about is what I'm doing. When I'm swimming <laughs> in open water, I have to think about what I'm doing in every other fish or person or boat Fair. next to me. And that's not okay. No, I don't want to think about that. You know where we are? Uh, we have, it's not obviously as wide as the English channel. I honestly don't know how large it is, but we have the annual swim in the bay here the bay swim in rhode island sure and you would be surprised how many people are like yeah absolutely i want to go all the way across and i'm like first of all there are so many sailboats do you think that they control where they're going while you're swimming no they cannot also the absolute craziness that is the currents around here i'm Mm -hmm. sorry I see mm-hmm. boats getting swept away. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you got to be right. out of your mind. And the only thing saving you is your friend who may or may not also know how to swim in a kayak next to you, just trying to keep up. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So like you need it to be like a sanctioned event, yeah, like where there's is. no boat traffic or anything. You it know, is. that's okay. the scary part. <laughs> well, okay. Then I don't know why they're letting boats. Do it. Stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Don't do that. I know. It's, it's horrifying. Insane. Yeah. yeah no thank you Mm-mm. Mm-mm. so anyway that that concludes the distance swimming portion <laughs> of the podcast yeah we will now be going into blair has a soapbox and needs to talk about it real <laughs> quick do. all right so as you guys know already i was a for i'm a former lifeguard and we're going to talk about drowning and water safety for just a brief moment of your time it's fair um, because if I'm going to be talking about swimming and if anyone t- wants to mm-hmm. do that or, you know, becomes mm-hmm. inspired to start swimming, you need to know these things. Yeah. Okay. I highly doubt that anyone will, but just, <laughs> Suddenly. just as something for everyone to be aware of. Okay. So 
drowning is a major public health issue that can be prevented. Also, this information is from the CDC for reference. Mm -hmm. More children ages one to four die from drowning than any other cause. Drowning happens in seconds and is often silent and drowning can happen to anyone anytime there's access to water. So that means in the bathtub, Mm -hmm. that means in the pool, that means Mm -hmm. at the ocean, that means in a rain puddle, that Mm -hmm. means anytime. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So learn, this is, this is my advice. Learn basic swimming and water safety skills. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and this is also the CDC's advice because I know we tell you at the beginning of every podcast, don't take my advice. So <laughs> this is one thing go. you should do. <laughs> Formal swimming lessons can reduce the risk of drowning for children one to five who have had um, and can reduce the risk of drowning for children one to five. Sorry, that was really clunky. That's right. Um, swimming lessons still need close and constant supervision when in or around the water. Okay. Um, another tip, build fences that fully enclose pools. And I know that most insurance companies, at least in the United States require to have a fence around the pool just to ensure the pool in the first place. Um, so construct and use a four-sided fence that is at least four feet high in height and fully encloses the pool and separates it from the house. Okay. Yeah. And it should have self-closing and self-latching gates. All right. Cause we don't want any children mm-hmm. or, you know, inebriated adults to mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. go into the pool <laughs> Fair without enough. anyone's knowledge and drown. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, supervise closely. Watch your kids, watch, <laughs> watch your adults. I mean, yeah. watch the people around the pool. Okay. Designate a responsible adult to supervise closely and constantly when children are in or near water, including bathtubs. That means parents, obviously, hopefully, you know this, but don't let your kid take a bath without being there. All right. Especially if they haven't had any swim lessons or anything. Yeah. This is the watch your kids. The struggle too is there's also something called dry or dry drowning where a child has been in water, has maybe inhaled too much water and it gets in their lungs and they suddenly feel really sleepy and like fatigued. So if your child is starting to exhibit these, maybe take them to the doctor for a check, especially if you know they've been in pools and like have been splashing around because it can happen and you just don't know. Yeah. So there's dry drowning also. <laughs> Thanks for scaring us. <laughs> we appreciate it. Hey, we're talking about swimming. I'm just saying, I'm telling the facts, man. <laughs> Lord. Now horrified. Um, so anyway, just keep an yeah. eye on your kids. I know you want to have a good time talking to your friend at the pool, yeah. but you, especially if your kids don't have swim lessons yet, yeah. or they're too young to have swim lessons, watch them, Yeah. be around them, know oh. where they are, mm-hmm. look at them when they ask you to look at them. Because you know they're sitting there at the side of the pool being like, Mom, look, look at what I can do. And then they kick really fast. And you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. It's amazing, honestly. Tell them. They need to know. All right. (laughs) Validation. Wear a life jacket. This was my, this was the bane of my existence as a child <laughs> because I hate wearing life jackets. I know it's that so that's important. Like, it's so important and it's yeah. so helpful and wonderful. Um, especially if you're on like a boat or in open mm-hmm. water or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but even like your local swimming pool probably has like a life jacket for your kid if they yeah. need it. 
you know? So always ask, um, life jackets reduce the risk of drowning for people of all ages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Also, even if you know how to swim and what, let's say you're out in the water for a long period of time and then you get tired, like it's good to have something to keep you afloat. So that way you're not just relying on your like athleticism. (laughs) You can rest comfortably. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I will be honest as a kid, I was like, I know how to swim. I don't need these. (laughs) You always think that though. You know, know? my mom was like, no, you do. You need these. (laughs) So anyway, um, learn CPR. This is also Mm -hmm. a good, a good tip. Uh, everyone should know CPR for a variety of reasons in my personal opinion as a medical professional, but also Mm -hmm. especially for like water related situations as well. Um, Many organizations, the American Red Cross, American Heart Association, offer CPR training. You could probably get it through your job if you have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll pay for it probably. So just be aware of that. Um, know the risks of natural waters. I know we've touched on briefly like weather and rip currents and mm-hmm. currents in general, things like that, waves. Recently in our area, we've had like a ton of wave action action. um, and like rogue waves just being like eight feet tall for no reason and people get swept away. So like, Mm -hmm. just be aware of that. Like water is nothing to joke about, especially in the natural setting, Mm -hmm. in its natural habitat. In its natural state. (laughs) Yeah. Living her best life. Avoid alcohol. Y'all know you like to go out and have a nice time on the boat <laughs> or at the swimming pool or like whatever, mm-hmm. just be careful. That's all I have to say about that. You, you know what you're doing. And especially <laughs> if you have kids, you need to watch your kids. You know who we're talking to. <laughs> you know, you know who we're talking to. That pontoon ain't going to drive itself. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't need to crash your boat into, no. in, 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 no, we don't just, do that. No. Just know we we're not y'all are adults. You know these y'all things. Are All right. Um, use the buddy system. Always have like a lifeguard if you can, if your facility offers one or if there's one on the beach or whatever. Like sit close to them, make friends with them. They'll keep you safe. Um, and also take a buddy. Yeah, buddies are always good to have, yeah. especially because if you end up getting in trouble, that buddy can get out of that. <laughs> and go find help which is important exactly um take additional precautions for medical conditions um if you have a medical condition you know who you are take your meds make sure you consider what you're doing before you get in the water period um (laughs) and then consider effects of medication some medications make you drowsy probably don't want to be in a water setting if you get drowsy we all saw what happened to matthew perry so just Mm-hmm. be aware of that okay and don't hold your breath underwater for a long time <laughs> don't have those competitions it's not worth it okay when i was lifeguarding at the y there was always this one guy and he's like middle-aged and like a former marine or something and <laughs> he like would consistently hold his breath all the way down the pool and all the way back just to see if he could do it and i'm like sir you cannot do this because you don't know when you're gonna black out fair if you decide if, if your brain decides it doesn't have enough oxygen you will black out and then i'm gonna have to come and get you and don't, don't do that, do that. <laughs> yeah uh, just everybody breathe normal okay 
All right. So, and that's my soapbox. Thank you for listening. Nice. Be safe out there. Solid. Love you the most. That's Love it. All right. All right. Um, so now we have some health benefits of swimming. Woo! So if you, it is the new year after all. It so is. if you're trying to live a healthier life mm-hmm. and you feel confident in your swimming abilities, here are some wonderful things that can help you. And honestly, to get the health benefits of swimming, you don't even really need to know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And I will explain. Okay. So swimming is the fourth most popular sports activity in the United States and a good way to get regular aerobic physical exercise. So just two and a half hours of swimming per week or or aerobic of aerobic physical activity, Mm -hmm. such as swimming, bike, biking, or running can decrease the risk of chronic illness. And it can increase, it can lead to improved health for people with diabetes or heart disease swimmers have about half the risk of death compared to inactive people Mm -hmm. and people report enjoying water-based exercise more than exercising on land because it is way more fun it's also easier Um, on your joints they also they also exercise longer in water than on land without increased effort or joint or muscle pain right because swimming is a low impact activity so if you have like joint or muscle pain swimming is a great way to do this Oh my gosh, I know the guy that's on the four-wheeler. I'm so sorry. <laughs> tell just him to right stop. Up. Stick your head out the window and tell him no. <laughs> he lives down the street. We're friends with him, and I just realized it's him. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, he just keeps rolling around. So I'm, like, listening to you, but I'm also listening for him because I hear him coming, and I know it's going to no, enter I, the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, guys. <laughs> stick your head out the window and be like, hey, stop. I'm recording. <laughs> Shut up. We're trying to do pod stuff. Anyway. Okay. So it can help with arthritis, mental health, older adults can benefit from swimming because, um, it helps with joints and arthritis, obviously, but also bone density for postmenopausal women. Shout out to them. Mm -hmm. Wish I was you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) see you soon. (laughs) Keeps your heart nice and strong. We love, we love a cardio exercised heart. We love that. Um, It can improve cholesterol levels, reduce your blood pressure, lower your risk of heart disease. Um, A major study commissioned by the Swim England uh, found, or the organization Swim England found that swimmers have a 41% lower risk of death due to heart disease or stroke than non-swimmers. So that's something to consider. Mm -hmm. Plus a 28% risk of early death overall. So it's really good for you. I will say that I have stopped swimming since I stopped swimming competitively. (laughs) I can't tell you the last time I was in a pool, but I really need to start doing it again. Honestly, it's like really good for you. And it doesn't hurt your body in the same way that like running does. No offense to runners, but like it's y'all out here asking for a hip replacement. That's all I'm saying. Tell me about it. Um, So it's even an option for people who are on cardiac rehab, uh, studies show that swimming can be well tolerated by people who are recovering from heart failure or coronary artery disease. So that's something to keep in mind for your loved ones who may have some heart problems. Mm -hmm. Um, always check with your healthcare provider, obviously we are not, you know, do your research, do, do what you need to do. Okay. (laughs) Um, it strengthens your lungs because you're not breathing as you can't breathe in water. So it strengthens your lungs, <laughs> obviously, in case you didn't know, you can't um, breathe water. <laughs> right. So you need to, you know, it helps control your breathing. 
Um, it helps make your body use oxygen more efficiently, which is cool. Um, it burns calories, which is always an added bonus, especially if you're trying to lose a little bit of weight, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, great. There are many other reasons, obviously, but it's something, uh, and then according to the U S centers for disease control and prevention, a 154 pound person who swims slow freestyle laps. And I mean, slow mm. for 30 minutes burns 255 calories, which is basically a whole meal. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of nice, you know, uh, swim England reports that the butterfly stroke burns the most calories. And that's because it's the most difficult and most terrible <laughs> just in case you guys didn't know. Um, but freestyle is better for those of us who are, who love yeah. ourselves, basically. <laughs> who don't hate ourselves. Exactly. Um, it also builds muscle because the water is resistant. Mm-hmm. It's not air, obviously. So you move through it slower, but it helps build the muscles in your body with resistance. Um, it keeps your mind sharp. More research is needed, but studies suggest that regular swimming can improve cognitive function, which is cool. That makes sense. That means that that's why I got through college because I was smart <laughs> then and now I am super dumb. Um, <laughs> that is not true. Oh my god. Supports healthy aging. Um and overall, it's just like so good for you. Um, so if you have a local pool, oh, also I was gonna mention water aerobics. Yeah. Old people do water aerobics all the time, and that is like literally no swimming. You stand in the shallow end mm-hmm. and you just move your body against the resistance of the water, mm-hmm. which is great. It's yeah. so good for you. A lot of people who have like joint issues, yeah. um, it's so good for you. There's like a bunch of therapies that deal with water for yeah. a variety of reasons. Um, yeah. so it's just so good. Like yeah. look into it. Um, but it should be fun. Like, obviously this, it's not a serious thing. So, um, (laughs) go out there, find your local pool, get some swim lessons and have fun. That's basically the moral of my story here. (laughs) That's great. I really Um, liked it. I enjoyed like when we had the, um, like when I was a kid, we used to have like the gym membership that had the pool, but they would do mm-hmm. classes all the time. Mm-hmm. And I would see all those ladies and I didn't sign up for the classes. I was just a kid in the pool, but I was doing it with them. And it was so fun. They have the greatest time <laughs> there and they go every week and they every like week. make friends and yeah. it's like a whole thing. Yeah. So it's cute. super fun. I always loved it when like the old ladies came in when I was yeah. lifeguarding, um, yeah. to do yeah. water aerobics. It's the best. Yeah. But also recommend. don't let that deter you like age is just a number right oh yeah so like yeah. obviously if you see an aerobics class and you're like oh you know i'm this age or i whatever just do it you're gonna have so much fun you're gonna make so many new friends they all can bake and that yeah. means great food after the pool <laughs> right <laughs> at least that's For what all I those learned. calories that you burned. <laughs> yeah exactly um if you guys enjoy swimming or if you have swimming stories, that would be super cool and super fun. If you used yeah. to compete, Blair wants to know. Uh, I do. probably love to pick your brain, figure out where you competed. Um, and you can let us know any of those things by connecting with us on our Gmail at MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com, of course. Um, you can also connect with us on Instagram, TikTok, or the old YouTubes at MediocreContentPodcast, all the same handle. 
Uh, if you want to chat with us live, you can do that as well every other Thursday on Twitch. Same handle, and we start at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST, or 11 p.m. BST, depending on the time zone that you're in. That's all the same time, just depending on your time, so keep that in mind. Don't forget to rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. We genuinely appreciate it and see it. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. This has been Mediocre Content. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.